bringing hope to many around the globe, transforming lives into legacies. Live in Word with Pastor Mensah Otobiel. And now, today's Word. Well, I'm continuing my series, uh, which I started last week, on, uh, on leadership from Elijah to Elisha. And this is part number two. Um, my subtitle is Becoming a Student. Last week, I talked about becoming a servant. Uh, there will be a little change in how I proceed with the series. I said that it would be a three-part message, but as I worked on it into detail, I realized uh, that I had to break it up a little bit more. So for now, it will be a four-part uh, message. Uh, becoming a student, this is part A of becoming a student, and then I will do part B of becoming a student. Because, But this part is very important uh, in understanding how to receive an impartation or a transference of leadership. It's critical. One of the challenges we find uh, around us, uh, both spiritually and in the secular world, people complaining that we are not able to transfer uh, wealth or, or success from one generation to the other. And so you have businesses that are successful in one generation and the next generation messes up. And, and, and the same thing happens sometimes in churches. And what I'm teaching is to address that because we want to see transgenerational success stories. And one of the th lessons we learned from Elijah to Elisha uh, is becoming a student. I have come to the conclusion that there are uh, servants who never grow to be sons, and there are sons who never learn to be servants. And it's one of the main reasons why wealth and success is not transferred. And I hope that this uh, will help you in your own uh, understanding of how to rise to that place of leadership through impartation. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 21. We read it last week, but uh, we would emphasize on it a little bit more as we talk about this part of the message. So Elisha turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. I want to focus on the last sentence. Then he arose and followed Elijah. Then he arose and followed Elijah. One of the ways in which leaders were raised uh, was through the process of following or the process of discipling or raising of students. So I would just want to explain a little bit the word follow and what it means. Three uh, definitions uh, for the word follow. One, it means to walk behind another. To follow is to walk behind another. 
To follow requires that there should be someone ahead of or in front of you. It means to take steps that another has already taken. You cannot follow when you are in the lead. If you are going to follow, you have to be behind. Becoming a student requires following. Secondly, to follow means to imitate another's ways. To follow is to imitate. It requires watching someone closely and doing what they do. And that is how we all learned from the most accomplished master in any field. You would learn that each one of us started by imitation. The most proficient speaker, eloquent orator, started by imitating sounds and words from another person. The greatest instrumentalist, whether a violinist, started by imitating somebody and playing uh, very routine uh, 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 notes. It's, it's interesting now that I'm grandparenting uh, to, uh, you know, to watch my grandchildren learning ba, ba, black sheep and all these uh, uh, rhymes all over again, twinkle, little, twinkle, twinkle, little stars. Now I have to learn them all over and sit through twinkle, twinkle, little stars. But 40 years from now, they will be propounding great theories and great ideas and I don't know what they will become, but it all started with twinkle, twinkle, little stars, ba, ba, black sheep, one, two, three, four, and even that counting sequence is like, uh, it's a huge task. What am I saying? We all learn by imitation. If you're going to be a great leader, you have to learn to imitate. To follow means to go where another is going. To follow is to go where someone else is going. When you're following, you don't go where you want to go. You go where you are being led to go. Elisha started his journey into leadership by following Elijah. He became his student. He became a student. And Jesus had a lot to say about this. And, and I, I will just reference uh, two passages in the New Testament. First is in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19 to 20. Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Then they immediately left their net and followed him. Jesus started the process of leadership development by people following him just like Elisha followed Elijah. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Luke chapter 6 verse 40. Jesus said, a disciple is not above his teacher. But everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. Very interesting. Everyone who is perfectly trained, it means there are people who are imperfectly trained. And they don't become what they wish to become. Everyone who is perfectly trained becomes like his teacher. So let me give you the tools of a follower or a student or a disciple. There are five tools that I will talk about and then we'll go to Elijah and Elisha. If you're going to be a great student to learn 
and to receive an impartation and, and to even be greater than your teacher. And that, that's one of the uh, interesting things about being a student. Students almost always become greater than their, their teachers. Now, if you look at your teacher who taught you in primary school, all things being equal, you have gone on in life higher than they went to. Uh, you look at your teacher who taught you in secondary school or university, all things being equal. It's not always the same, but most times we become greater than our teachers because the, the joy of a teacher is to produce somebody greater than themselves. That's the joy of a teacher, not somebody lesser than themselves, but somebody greater than themselves. So when, when you sit before a teacher, you're sitting before somebody who has your greater interest at heart than yourself. But, you know, students don't always think that the teachers want their greater interest because we fight teachers all our life. And then later, 30, 40 years later, look back and say, oh, these people really wanted my welfare. But we never get it when we are with them. So what are the important tools that we must have as followers or students or disciples? Five of them. First is appreciation. If you're going to be a good student, you must be appreciative. Value the opportunity. This is where everything begins. Many fail to appreciate the opportunities they have to learn or study under an accomplished master. They take so much for granted and never get the important lessons that are being taught them. Appreciate the moment. Value the opportunity. Don't allow familiarity to dull your sense of appreciation. You have to appreciate the moment. If somebody accomplished decides to impart something to you or to train you or to mentor you don't take it for granted appreciate it and never lose the appreciation never lose the appreciation second tool you need if you're going to be a good student is submission submission jesus said a servant is not above his master you have to humble yourself you cannot be arrogant and learn at the same time you cannot see yourself as better than your teacher and still learn from him or her. To really learn, you have to leave your arrogance at the door before entering. Don't come full of yourself, full of your own importance, full of your own ego, and hope to learn anything. I must say uh, that personally in my own life, um, as a leader, one of the greatest things I have sought to do is to impart what I have to people. But one of my greatest frustration is that people don't want to be helped. They will come and say, help me, but because they are not appreciative and they are not submissive, they never learn anything. Because whilst you are teaching them something, they are also talking about what they know. <laughs> so if you're going to be a good student you have to be appreciative you have to be submitted number three observation watch what's going on keep your eyes and senses alert open your heart pay attention notice the little things that make all the difference observe the habits of your teacher observe the priorities of your teacher observe the values of your teacher Observe the instructions of your teacher. 
Two things may look alike yet be so different. Two situations may look alike and be very, very different. Take note when patterns change. Take note when there is repetition. Take note when there is deliberate delays. When somebody is teaching you something and he keeps saying the same thing over and over and over and over, he's not forgotten what he's saying. It simply means you're not getting it. When there's repetition, it means something is important and you're not getting it. So the same thing is said over and over and over again. Take note when there's repetition. Take note of the habits of your teacher or your mentor. Take note when the patterns are changing. Take note when he stops doing something he used to do and does things a little bit differently. Pay attention. Number four, comprehension. We used to learn that in school, in English class. Comprehension, English comprehension. Do they still study those things? I hope so. Comprehension means grasp what is taught. A disciple is a questioner. The fact that you are following doesn't mean you keep quiet and never ask questions. Ask questions not to challenge or not just for curiosity but for clarity. Seek clarity. Understand what is meant. The worst thing a follower can do is to wrongly interpret a lesson or a message. And I see it often happening. When people think they've understood you and they haven't understood you. You know, sometimes you hear people say, oh, I, 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 I knew what you were trying to say. And then when they repeat it, you say, hmm. Because that is far away from what I was trying to say because they never get it. Many times, you know, as a pastor, you know, people come to me and they say, oh, pastor, your, life, your ministry blessed me and your message blessed me. And, and when you preach, and then they try to summarize what they think you said. And then you feel like, oh God, am I that bad? Because what they think you are saying is very different from what you are saying. Example is in Matthew chapter 16, uh, Jesus is talking to his disciples from verse 5 to 12. It says, now when his disciples had come to, to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Note that they had forgotten to take bread. Jesus said to them, take heed and beware of the living of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves saying, is it because we have taken no bread? But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, oh, you of little faith, why do you reason among yourself because you have brought no bread? Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves and the, uh, of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? Or the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many large baskets you took up? How is it that you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread? But to beware of the living of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the living of bread but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now you get, you get the background. They, they have just seen bread multiplied for 5,000 and 7,000 and 4,000. And now uh, they're going out and Jesus says to them, take heed. Now this time uh, they're traveling and they haven't taken bread. And, and Jesus says, take heed of the living of the, of the Pharisees and immediately, the thing he's saying, they should have taken bread. 
Now, it makes sense because living is used for making uh, uh, bread. So he says, take heed of the living of the Pharisees. And he says, oh, he's rebuking us because we didn't take bread. Then Jesus says, why are you thinking I'm talking about bread? And then he says, if you didn't even take bread, do you think I'll be worried? Because when there was no bread, I fed 5,000 and I fed uh, 4,000 and you are just 12. So Jesus is saying, I'm not just talking about bread. I'm saying, take heed of the living of the Pharisees. Then they say, ah. He means the doctrine of the Pharisees. Misunderstanding. Lack of comprehension. It's one of the banes of a student. And the fifth tool of the student is application. Application is putting the lessons into practice. A disciple is a doer. You don't just master the information or the theory, you must put them into practice. And the only way to know whether a student has learned a lesson is to test them. And we will see that a lot in the uh, story of Elijah and Elisha. Now, Elisha is thought to have followed Elijah for 10 years. Now, when you read the story, it seems as if uh, he just got uh, the mantle touching him, and then the next thing, he's having a double portion. But historically, they, they were together for 10 years. It's a 10-year learning student-teacher relationship. And in the last days of their relationship, Elijah had to review all the lessons that they had learned over the period. In this lesson review, we are exposed to the main components of the training that Elisha received from Elijah. So go with me to 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 to 8. And we're going to see the main components because in the 10-year period, we don't know what he learned, but this story is review. It's almost like uh, you go to school, you, you, you learn over a period, it's the week before examination, it's review. You go through everything you've learned in the process. And this story is a review of the lessons they've learned and, uh, and, and the test came later on. Second Kings chapter 2 verse 1 to 8. And it reads, and it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Then Elisha said, said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came to Elisha and said to him, do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him, do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he answered, yes, I know, keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. 
Then he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. And 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Now Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up, and struck the water, and it was divided this way and that, so that the two of them crossed over on dry land. Now, each place that they visited was associated with a lesson that has been taught in the past. It is not the first time that Elijah and Elisha were going to those places. In the 10-year period, they've been going there because those places had training schools or schools of the prophets. So these were like training centers or universities. And, and Elijah is the main professor, the main teacher. So he goes through that place all the time. But this is the last moment of his life and he's taking Elisha through the same process again to review everything they have learned. And there are four main stops that they go through. I'm going to talk only about two today and uh, I would, uh, in part B, I would do the other two. The first place that we find them is in a place called Gilgal. Gilgal. Gilgal means rolling away or change or wheel, a turning around. Remember, it's not the first time they've been to Gilgal. And Elijah is also not the first person to be in Gilgal. The first major encounter we have with Gilgal is in the days of Joshua. And I want us to go to Joshua chapter 5 verse 7 to 9, to understand the significance of Gilgal. What does Gilgal mean? What, what, what is a lesson that Elijah is teaching Elisha by taking him to Gilgal? Now, to understand the lesson, we have to understand what Gilgal symbolized for the children of Israel. Joshua chapter 5, verse 7 to 9. Now, Josh, it says, Then Joshua circumcised their sons whom he raised up in their place, for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. So it was when they had finished circumcising all the people that they stayed in their places in the camp till they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, This day, I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore, the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day. So that is how Gilgal got its name because of what happened there. The children of Israel who had left Egypt had not been circumcised. And so Moses is dead and Joshua is the leader there. They are now in the promised land. And, and so Joshua circumcises them. And, uh, and, and, and God says that the reproach of Egypt has been rolled away. So Gilgal literally means rolled away or transformed or changed. It's, it's something has turned. Something has turned in this place. So what does Gilgal mean? And when Elijah takes Elisha to Gilgal, what is the lesson that Elisha must learn? 
And what is the lesson for us? Gilgal is a place for three important things. It is only when you are able to get those three things happen that you can move on to the next place. So what are the three important things that happen in Gilgal? Gilgal is the place of breaking with the past. At Gilgal, the children of Israel, born in the desert, had to undergo change. For all the years that they had been in the desert, they had not been circumcised. Now, circumcision was required of the male children, but in larger application, the lesson goes beyond male children to females too. And we are not talking about physical circumcision. They had not been circumcised for 40 years. They've been in the wilderness from Egypt to the promised land, 40 year period, and something that should have taken place hasn't taken place. Moses had allowed that, but Joshua would not allow it. One leader has allowed it, another leader says, I'm not going to let this mistake continue. Because sometimes you can be under a leader who tolerates your mistakes. And then you come under another leader who does not tolerate your mistakes. And sometimes when you move in that direction, you say, well, I was here and it was okay. And why are you trying to change it? Because you've come to Gilgal and what Moses tolerated, Joshua will not tolerate. If you want to carry your past experiences along with you in life, you never learn any lessons. Because sometimes you come into a place where your mistakes will not be tolerated any longer. What worked for you? What somebody said, oh, it's okay. You are human. Go ahead doing it. You come under a leader. You come under an Elijah. And Elijah says, no, sir, Elisha. Somebody may have taught you that. You may have learned this lesson. It was a bad lesson. But at Gilgal, you're going to break away from those bad mistakes. It's a place where you break with the past. What Moses allowed, Joshua will not allow. He has to change it. That's the first lesson Elisha has to learn. You cannot go ahead tolerating your mistakes. They have to be corrected. Second lesson about Gilgal is allowing yourself to be corrected. At Gilgal, Joshua had to circumcise a whole generation that we'll call the wilderness generation. He had to circumcise them. They should have been circumcised when they were eight years old and now they are old. Some of them are about 40 years old and they have to learn a lesson they should have learned at eight years. Because sometimes in our lives, things we should have learned as children, we never learned. Bad homes, bad father, bad mother. The reason why we have a cycle of dysfunctional families and mostly dysfunctional men is because of dysfunctional fathers. Most of us can testify that the most effective parent we had was our mother. Now, if the most effective parent you had was your mother, then it means you've been, you have not been properly taught, especially if you are a man, how to be a man. 
And most likely you're going to repeat that cycle in your life. You have to come to Gilgal where there is correction. Something you should have learned. Which nobody had a chance to correct you because some of us come from families where our mistakes are tolerated. You insult and everybody says it's okay, that's how you are. You talk by heart, everybody says that's how you are. You, you, you steal and everybody says that's how you are. You are jealous and everybody says yeah, that's how you are. But you have to come to Gilgal where you will be circumcised and somebody has to sit you down and say, yes, this is how you are. You were wrongly formed 40 years ago and you need to be changed. Somebody must have the courage to circumcise you when you are old. It's going to hurt. It's going to be painful because this is how you've lived your life all along. This is how your father brought you up. This is how your mother brought you up. This is how your family is. But that thing is not going to take you to the promised land. That thing is your biggest enemy. And somebody must have the courage to say, you have to stop it. And if you don't stop it, you're not moving on. That is what Elijah is telling Elisha. You need to be circumcised. You need to get rid of some wrong stuff in your life. Others may tolerate it. I will not tolerate it. You know, sometimes in life you come under leaders who make you cry. They make you cry not because they are beating you, but because they are frustrating you. Everything you know to be right, everything you have done and be comfortable with, they say, no, we don't do it this way. We don't do it that way. We don't do it this way. You have to be very careful. You have to do it again. This is rubbish. Go and, go and bring back another word. And you say, but I've tried, I've tried, I've tried all that I have. Yeah, you are in Gilgal. And in Gilgal, you need to be corrected. And bad habits need to be changed. Thank you for listening to Living Word. To interact with Pastor Mansah Otebil, like his page on Facebook. Follow him on Twitter at Mensah Otebil. Email otebil at centralgospel.com or call plus 233-302-688-000.